Gambling on football, you say. Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play where you know when you win, you're going to get paid. Because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. MyBookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Today on the ZabeCast, an incredible night to be a sports fan at home with multiple TVs. An even better night if you're in the chattering class like I am. The Lions were robbed by Rodgers and the refs. The Nats hammer the Cardinals into submission, and LeBron opens his mouth. Your bonus 30 minutes of gloriously uncensored me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. (laughs) Here we go. Tuesday, October 15th, 2019. Thank you for downloading a word of caution. Today's episode is 30 minutes long and not a minute longer. It is damn near midnight on Monday night, and I am jacked up on adrenaline. (laughs) Oh, I'm wearing the headset tonight. I hope you don't mind because I can't keep my face still in front of a stationary microphone. I did just crack a Diet Coke. Mmm. Ah, there it is. The sweet sip of double victory with both the Nationals and the Packers. Even though the Packer game is going to have people yammering for weeks. So where do we begin? And of course, there's LeBron James to talk about as well tonight. Okay, uh, listen, I'm going to be perfectly honest. This is going to be a rough Zabecast. Like I said, I it was a it was. A, I don't want to complain about my long day. It's going to make me sound like a pussy. Um. You know, we did a remote live down by Nats Park tonight uh, on Team 980, and I was there from 4 to 7 with my buddy Scott Lynn, uh, and things were – the place was packed, obviously. First of all, when we have these road dates, which I'm happy to do, it impacts me because I got to leave a good two hours early to make sure I'm not going to get hung up in traffic and get all the way down there and park and yada, yada, yada. And then it's you know two hours back home, and so it impacts the whole production schedule of Zabeco Industries, which includes producing this Zabecast. So unusual to have a Monday remote, but we did, and so I did it. 
And of course, we had troubles because there was bandwidth issues getting the show out, and the last 30 minutes was, you know, just shit. And what are you going to do, right? Okay. So I get back home, and I've not done the Zabecast for today. I don't like preloading these. You know, I could record 35, 40 minutes on something, anything over the weekend on a Saturday or a Sunday and just have it in my back pocket and say, here you go, people. It's Tuesday morning. Enjoy. And it's something you totally don't want to listen to. So I don't do that. I don't do that. And I'm not looking for any great hosannas from you guys about, oh, thank you very much. So I said, okay, I'm going to get home. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to bang out. I got 10 things at three minutes a pop. 10 three-minute nuggets. And that'll be 30 minutes. I'll be good. And I'll do it during timeouts. I'll do it during halftime. I'll, I'll just chip away at it, and I'll get it done in reasonable time. Well, that was the plan. Then I'm watching the games, plural. And for the last fucking time, people, if I see one more person on Twitter go, I thought you were watching the Nationals. Or how can you be watching the Packers? I have to tweet photos of my two TVs here in my office to go with my three TVs in the basement. This is like the practice court. So I can sit here, I can work on the computer, um, I can record stuff, I can watch games, I can pull sound bites. Yeah. That's what I do at night. I work, I grind to bring you people the best I can possibly give in all forms of radio and podcasting. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. And so I have to tweet out a picture and say, okay, we good now, dumb fuck? I thought you were watching. I was watching both fucking games the whole night. Barely got any uh, anything done. I was trying to prep the Zabecast. Couldn't get it done because so much good shit was happening. Strasburg was dealing. Howie Kendrick was raking. Brebbia's stupid-ass beard was looking even more stupid than ever. It was a glorious night to go up 3-0 at Nats Park. I'm tweeting. I'm responding to tweets. I'm watching the Packer game. The Packers are playing the most sloppy-ass, horseshit football you've ever seen. And then things got real interesting in the Packer game, didn't they? But let's just start with the Nationals while we're here. This is some seriously dizzying heights right now in the nation's capital for Nationals fans. I mean, the Cardinals are done. Let's not kid ourselves. 3-0, and they look every bit as defeated as they have been so far. They've uh, uh, not gotten a earned run off of any of the Nats' three starters. They are cooked, wrapped, stuffed, and in a Chinese takeout box. So it's only going to be a matter of, do do the Nats get it done with tomorrow night, or do they... Uh, tease them out for another night or two. We'll see. But bottom line is they're done, and everybody knows it. Steven Strasburg was the first big prize that this town got to unwrap when it came to the baseball team that had been away for 34 years. Make no mistake. You know, I grew up, uh, the, the, uh, the Senators last uh, left for the last time in 1971, I want to say, the last, the, after the 71 season. And the Nationals came back in after forever. I mean, in my whole lifetime. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 51 years old. And so in 71, when the baseball team left the nation's capital, I was three. So, yeah. And for 34, my, the first 37 years of my life, and not counting the three years that I don't remember shit because I was, you know, 
making mud in my diaper. You were wearing diapers till you're three? I don't know. Something like that. I didn't have a baseball team to call my own. I did not have um, my own team. Oh, go see the Orioles. And I did. I went to go see the Orioles. And it's like, Papa, why do they say Baltimore on the jerseys? Of course, those are the road jerseys that said Orioles at home, but whatever. And in fact, I think they went away from the Baltimore designation as well sometime in the 80s because Angelos wanted to make sure to lure as many fans from the D.C. market so as to not make them mad they wouldn't wear even Baltimore on the road, which is the tradition in baseball. But I digress. 34 years, no baseball. Team comes back in 2005. They're playing at dingy old urine-smelling RFK Stadium. There's not a lot to be excited about. You know, we got uh, Frank Robinson as our manager, and that's a wonderful old-school tip of the cap. Everybody loved Frank. He was great. Team wasn't very good. Did have Ryan Zimmerman. He was our first star. But the first big prize from back-to-back 100-loss seasons was Steven Strasburg, this fireballing phenom out of San Diego State. And when he came to the organization and when he finally made his major league debut, we dubbed it in town, media and fans alike, Strasmus. Mary Strasmus. And he was fantastic on his opening night in D.C. I forget exactly how many strikeouts he had. It was a bunch. Might have been double digits. Who knows? Since that time, a lot of things happened with this guy. Not only did Bryce Harper follow in shortly after him, and he was drafted in the, in the very next season after the back-to-back 100-loss seasons, but Harper took a little while to get up to the bigs, and when he did, he was like the shiny new toy that had eclipsed the old toy that wasn't quite as shiny. Also, Strasburg had to get Tommy John surgery, and coming off of Tommy John surgery, he was on a innings restriction. And the Nationals, the year that he was coming off Tommy John, ran him into a shutdown situation in September that divided not just our market, but divided all of baseball about whether he should push through it or not. We had our own color and a- uh, color analyst uh, calling games for the team, Rob Dibble, Neanderthal ex-baller that he is, ripping the team to shreds, ripping Strasburg. You got to fight through this. This is the World Series. You got a chance to go to the World Series. Yeah, well, don't want to blow up my elbow again. Sorry. And so the team stuck to their plan, and they shut Strasburg down. Didn't sit well with a lot of people. Then along the way, Strasburg kind of got the yips, where he was still a great pitcher, but any little wrinkle in the field behind him, any error, would get him kind of a little bit spooked, a little bit off kilter. And so he became a pitcher who you're like, I don't know, man. I just don't know if he's the dude. And there was a point in which he's approaching free agency, and the thinking was, I'd let him go, given who he is at this point, as a pitcher. Then the darndest of things happened. He gets it together. He starts pitching great again. And he tells his agent, Scott Boris, the legendary Scott Boris, who is known for doing what? Wringing the rag dry of money whenever possible, using every bit of leverage he possibly can. Strasburg basically told Boris, stand down. I like it here. I want to stay. And he signed a deal that, while very lucrative, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, 
And I'm not going to slow this podcast down because I'm 10 minutes in, which means I'm 20 minutes away from going to bed. Woo-woo! By the way, join me tomorrow. Uh, <clears throat> I'm okay. Join me tomorrow morning, 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. Josh Albrecht, my producer, my chief of staff, is beyond. he's over the moon because Mason Crosby gave him the double deuces salute, which he's been begging for after a field goal. Not the game winner, by the way. But still, it was clear as day on television. Josh is over the moon. Okay. So, anyway, Strasburg signs this deal for below market value easily. No question. But he liked it here. He wanted to stay here. And then you spin it forward to this season, and he has been the Nats' best pitcher this season, even better than Scherzer for the bulk of the season. And he has a moment at home. It's his first home playoff start as a national, and he is on fucking fire. And he ends up striking out like a dozen, and he goes the full seven. He gets out of a bit of a jam in the last inning, and he strikes out his last batter. He strikes out his last two and walks off the field to thunderous applause. Holy shit. What a moment. That's chicken skin stuff right there. And you know what? I was not there. I could have been there. Could have gotten in. Had tickets off to me. I was down there. I was right outside the stadium. You might say, do you regret it, Zabe? My answer to, the you, uh, my answer to that is simply no. And here's why. This is the life I have chosen. This is my life right now. It won't be my life forever, but my life right now is to cram every nook and cranny of my professional working hours into doing two shows the best I can do. Because I do love doing both of them, and we'll see where this goes from here on both fronts. But I'm committed to doing both these shows, and I'm committed to doing a podcast. And you guys have given me such great feedback on the podcast that I wouldn't think of just saying, ah, you know what, there's no podcast tonight. I wanted to go to the game, and then, you know, out late, home late, stay till the end, or at least stay until Strasburg is done, fight traffic, have my voice sound... even worse than it does right now. Wasn't going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. This is the life I've chosen. And I came home and I watched both the Packer game, of which I also have a professional obligation to be quite conversant on, tomorrow morning at 6. And don't say, well, you could watch the condensed game. Uh, Yeah, well, what am I going to do that exactly? You know, time becomes precious. So I was home here watching both games on my two TVs, Toggling the sound back and forth, taking notes, looking up stuff on the computer, uh, tweeting people, interacting, and I was fine with it. I still got excited. I love seeing Strasburg do what he did. And if you were at the game, God bless you. Enjoy it. You, you deserve it, especially for every Nat fan who has been to tons and tons of games and seen tons of heartbreak, including my brother Jim, who uh, kind of got off the wagon a little bit there with the team that he used to love so much, and now he's back on fully. Jim came down. And uh, said hi to me at the uh, at the ballpark or at the uh, at Walter's uh, Sports Bar before going in. Mr. X was there. Mr. X was there with the whole family minus one kid. He had he had his kids, his three of his four sons plus Mrs. X. And we do have a family photo. I tweet it just so you could see what the uh, Mr. X family looks like. But I think he likes his anonymity. But still, huge night for everybody who was at the park, and I feel super happy for every 
Nats fan who has been there from day one or been there for years and years. I don't go to very many games at all. So the fact that I was not there was probably appropriate, but uh, I was every bit as jacked up and excited watching the game on TV and seeing all the replays and listening to Ron Darling give me nothing of substance. Brian Anderson called a great game, as he always does. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I really did. You going to go to game four, Zabe? Uh, I don't know. We're at another bar in a different part of town. I probably could, but then I'd have to drive over. It's not as convenient. Uh, there is no football game tomorrow night, so I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> the world fucking series. Are you kidding me? And I'm now trying to think, well, who would you rather have? The Yankees or the Astros? I mean, the Yankees would be iconic, right? All right, hold on a second. We still haven't won this thing. Maybe I should shut the fuck up. Okay, good. I just did. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're going to get paid, because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. MyBookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Now let's turn to the Packers while we can. The Packers escape against the Lions thanks in no small part to not one, not two, but three highly dubious calls in this game that all went the Packers' way just when they needed them the most. Call number one, uh, Lions driving up 22-20. to They convert a third down and two on what looks like a little screen pass uh, to uh, running back Kerryon Johnson. Takes what looks to be two and a half, three steps maybe, and then has the ball fall out of his hands and out of bounds. Upon initial look, paid referee consultant John Perry in the booth for ESPN says, I think that's a good call. It's a catch and a fumble out of bounds. He took three steps. Okay, well, you know, they're going to look at it, though. Hold on a second. And so, sure enough, they they look at it. And after review, they come back and they go, incomplete pass, fourth and two. 
And the Lions have to settle for, I think they had to settle for a field goal at that point. Again, it's fucking late. Don't make me look this shit up. That's a big call right there. It's a big break. And what is so frustrating is that the ESPN announcers, you know, they're all like, good call, good call. And then they come back, no, it's totally different. And John Perry doesn't have boo to say about why he was wrong about this. He doesn't even have the balls to go, you know, Alberto Riveron is not one of our strongest refs. One guy that did rip Alberto Riveron was Pat McAfee on Get Up. And let me see if I can't find that audio for you because uh, I did highlight it here in my uh, timeline. See, uh, likes scrolling down. Um, So, yeah. It just, it's amazing that you get these differences of opinion. Here you go, Pat McAfee and... Go. Can't be the norm, we have to get this fixed. This year, it feels like we just have a bunch of replacement refs. Somehow, it has gotten worse than it's ever been. And I, I like to, you know, find the root of these things. Yeah. You know, I'm a deep digger, a person that likes to find out why things are happening. And for me, I think it all starts with Alberto Riveron being an incredibly terrible leader of men. That's what he is. His oh, Oh, wow. From the top rope. The crew underneath him has been nothing but terrible. And I would say as soon as TV networks like this one start plucking John Perry, incredible referee. Although you wonder, was John Perry wrong or was it Alberto Riveron? Because honestly, that play, I could see it both ways. It kind of looked like he didn't have control. But these are the things we're now reviewing. We're, we're, we're counting the number of angels sitting on the head of a pin. That's, that's part of the problem with replay in the NFL. Everything is microscoped. Everything is analyzed to the nth degree. Refereeing should be way more just licking a promise and go, Let's, here's the call. It is what it is. We're, we're moving on. It's a game. We're moving on. We're not trying to get everything right. Getting it right is overrated. Remember, kids. I know that sounds crazy, but that's how I feel. Start plucking Gene Steratore to CBS. Incredible referee. Dean Blandino. Many wouldn't say incredible, but he's a lot better than what Alberto Riveron's doing. Pereira, you name it. These TV networks are just plucking all of the great refs, and we're stuck with crap. We're stuck with junk, and that's why every time a a call goes to review, everybody knows Alberto Riveron's going to get it wrong because Alberto Riveron wasn't a good ref on the field. Now they put him in charge, and boom, ipso facto, now we got a terrible guy leading this thing. I don't think it's going to get better before it gets even worse, and somehow it's ruining the game. I honestly believe oh. that. Yeah, I remember a couple years ago, there was the conversation that football was going to die. By the way, what is going on with Dan Orlovsky's hair? I'm now watching this clip. Next time you see Orlovsky on ESPN, take a good look at the hair. It's shaved on the sides, and it's really high up in the front. I don't get it, but it works for him. I'm just jealous. He's got great hair. Weird haircut. Die because of head injuries? It's not. The issue with football's future is officiating. That's the only thing that could be potentially kill football because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Dano. Look here, out of bounds, Dano. (laughs) He ain't killing football. It's it's a cockroach that survives the nuclear winter. It's never going to quote-unquote die, but this is infuriating so many fans right now. So that was call number one. Call number two was on what would have been a massive sack and loss of yardage in which Aaron Rodgers is like, okay, I'm a ninja. Watch this shit. Oh, 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 God, run away. Oh, oh shit. Now I'm sacked now. Damn it. When all of a sudden, guess who gets a penalty for illegal hands to the face? Uh, 
That will be Trey Flowers, the right defensive end for the Detroit Lions. The problem is it wasn't hands to the face. He had his hand firmly on David Bakhtiari's shoulder pad. Now, he was grabbing that shoulder pad, which I don't know if that can be called a penalty or not. Who knows what the rules are these days, right? And um, he uh, he gets called for it. So it not only negates the huge loss of down, and I'm not sure if he was third down or I think it might have been second. Again, don't make me look it up. It's too damn late. And so they get a first down, automatic first down, five-yard penalty, bing, bang, boom. And then they get one more of those just when they need it on third down where the Lions would have absorbed the field goal, which would have put the Packers up one and had a full minute and a half, I think, to drive down the field and possibly kick a game-winning field goal of their own because Matt Prater was hitting bombs. Like Mickelson says, I'm hitting bombs today. Prater was just bombing it out there at Lambeau. And they got another one of those because Bakhtiari sold it. Bakhtiari's savvy play. He realizes that Flowers has leverage just totally leaning on his upper shoulder pad. And so Bakhtiari just takes his neck back like this. And John Perry fell for it. Or not John Perry, but Cleet Blakeman or somebody on Cleet Blakeman's crew. I don't know who threw the flag. Terrible, terrible calls. And replay was nowhere to be found to save the day. There you go, people. Keep worshiping your false god. Where's your god now? Sort of like the bad guy in a, in a movie where they're mocking the faithful, usually in westerns. They're about to slaughter the whole village. They're on their knees. Their homes are burning. And the bad guy's standing over them with a Colt 45. Where's your god now? Where's your replay god now, people? Well, it's not fair because it, you can't review everything. And not be, I mean, they, I, I think they should be able to review that. I'd like to give uh, teams five challenge flags. and just and Nothing is off limits. Uh, you can just challenge any call, and then that way you'll know you've got control of what you can challenge. Stupid. It's never going to be perfect. It's just bad. This leaves such a bad taste in people's mouths. Wow. The highlight of the night, though, has to be one Mason Crosby throwing up double deuces. My uh, chief of staff and director of digital communications, Josh Albrecht, who said to me on the first day I met him when, when I realized, okay, this guy's, this kid's going to be working for me, helping produce this morning show on 97.3 The Game. He's like, yeah, Josh Albrecht. My dad always said that Albrecht is German for bad luck. I said, what? He's like, no, seriously. I go, Okay, I don't know if that's true or not, but if that's a family saying, I'll just go with it. Josh has been throwing in this little nagging request to kicker Mason Crosby, who is a guest on our show every other Tuesday, about throwing up a little sign as an homage to him and the show and just like a little recognition that, hey, do this for us. And he said, how about after you make one, you throw up two fingers to the sky that I think Crosby does a little bit of a single finger point, but... How about two this time? And I thought, okay, Mason doesn't know who Josh is. We've never met, and he's only been on the show for a month. I got to do that shit. Kidding me? Anyway, he does it. He does it, and uh, and Josh is over the moon, and he's got the screen cap to prove it. Like, this is the greatest moment of his radio career. I've advised him. I've said, Josh, just quit. Uh, not You know, retire. 
Don't quit. Retire from radio. It won't get any better than this. So good for him. Lastly, I got to go off on this whole thing about darkening the lights, flashing the lights after touchdowns and after the game was over. As I tweeted, whoever thought this was a good idea needs to be shot out of a cannon into a dark cornfield in Hobart, Wisconsin. And yes, I found that on Google Maps. <laughs> Searching. Oh, let's see here. Oh, this looks like it's uh, just got some square grids of green. Must be a cornfield area. Boom. It's so idiotic. I don't know of another stadium that does that in the NFL. Maybe there is. It used to be you really couldn't do that with stadium lights because uh, they took a while to power up, and so you couldn't just flip them on and off. But here's why it's dumb, okay? And when I said this was dumb, I got 85% people agreeing with me. Amen. Way to go. Totally with you. A couple people did the old man yells at clouds picture. Got it. (laughs) Someone else said, oh, my God, why do you even care? Let me tell you why I care. Because I appreciate and understand a little thing called sports photography. Having worked with sports photogs back in the prehistoric days when I worked at uh, the student newspaper in Santa Barbara in the late 80s, early 90s, and I saw professional photogs that would be at games. And the whole process back then was you know, film and get it developed. There was a mobile dark room transmitting the photos back to the paper. I forget exactly how they did that. But in the pre-digital age, it was unbelievable what they had to do to get the pictures. But it was cool. The whole process, I appreciated the art of it. I appreciated the hustle of it. It's not easy. Now, today's photographers in the NFL, they've got the best cameras. The stadium lighting is better than it's ever been. And they have incredible glass, as the pros like to say, lenses. They got great glass that costs three times as much as the body of the camera. So if your body of the camera is five grand, they've got glass that costs, I'm not kidding, 15 grand. And they take these incredible shots of these incredible warrior athletes who are out there doing amazing feats. And if you are not looking, you should go to NFL.com every week. Type in best photos of the week, NFL.com, week six, week five, whatever. Look at the photos they're getting of NFL players nowadays. Just look at them. Spectacular. I mean, amazing, down to the most granular detail. Super high resolution. A gajillion pixels. Wonderful, shallow, cinematic depth of field. You got to appreciate it. And so here you have a game in which the Packers escape. Mason Crosby does his first ever Lambeau leap. And some dip fuck in the Stadium ops is like, ha look, I'm damned, I'm blinking the lights on and off. Isn't that great? And all these potential photographs fucking ruined because there's no light. So when you ask me why do I care, it's because in sports photography, moments are precious, and they come in a blink, and they're gone. And it's the photog's job to be ready, to anticipate, and to get the shot. And it could be a little thing. It could be Mason hugging Aaron Rodgers or who knows what, or a fight breaks out. You know, that's what photography is. And so the moments are fleeting. And secondly, light and adequate light is your God. 
without adequate light, you can't do shit. And some dipfuck thinks, oh, this is good. This adds to the excitement. Uh-huh. For how many years have the Packers and all teams survived just keeping the lights on while the crowd goes wild? And the PA speaker system blares whatever happy song you want them to blare. That's not enough? Now we got to do this? That's why I care. That's why I'm worked up. All right. 28 minutes and 55 seconds. I've actually liked this romp today. Maybe it's the adrenaline. Maybe this headset's the key. I know the audio quality is not quite as great, although most of you say it doesn't matter. What I like is I can just turn any direction, and I'm still talking into the microphone. It relaxes me. It makes me more aware of my situations here. I like it. Then there's this. <laughs> LeBron James has weighed in on the China controversy. Finally. We finally got LeBron to weigh in. How'd it go? In a word or in a phrase, not great, Bob. Not great. To say that LeBron James is getting killed for his take on the, Le- on the China situation is an understatement. In fact, all I did, my response, I tried to be very efficient in my thoughts on it. I just responded with, oh, Lord. Let me play the audio for you as soon as I find it. Come on, hold. Where where did it go here? Come on, scrolling. Do tell. Do tell. Could it be under replies? Maybe it is. Tweets and replies, not just tweets. Okay, here we go. All right, scrolling. I told you this would be a little bit rough here. Okay, here it is. LeBron James, for the first time, on a controversy that has absolutely shook the NBA to its core, in which everybody is clamming up and dancing, here comes King James, the most socially woke athlete on the planet. We, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech. But at times, there are ramifications for the negative that can happen. Um, when you're not thinking about others, you know, and you're only thinking about yourself. So um, I don't believe, uh, I don't want to get into a, a, word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, uh, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand, and, um, and he spoke. And uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed, uh, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, so just be careful what we, what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that, too. Oh, my fucking God. Here, let me just stare and blink a couple of times in dumbfoundedness over that that comment. on That, that soundbite from LeBron James, that is a forever soundbite. That is the sound of two tap-dancing shoes shuffling for the Chicom money. It is also rich that a guy who got a GED from St. James, St. Mary's and St. Vincent High School is lecturing a guy in Daryl Morey who has a, uh, a degree from, I think, MIT. Not sure about that. He was uneducated wasn't educated on the situation at hand, and he spoke. And I love how he says, you can hurt people 
You got to be careful. You got to hurt people. You got to hurt people with your words. <laughs> and the first hurt he mentions is financial. I don't want to get into a, a, word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand. And, um, and he spoke. And uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed, uh, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually harmed for saying he stands with Hong Kong and human rights. Wow. There is going to be furious backpedaling, and this is going to launch a million takes in the takeosphere. Tomorrow, I can't wait to see how ESPN handles it, be, handles it because they are partners with the league. The NBA and ESPN, you don't know where one ends and the other one begins. On the other hand, FS1, and especially Whitlock, oh, they are going to carpet bomb LeBron and make the rubble jump. So we got that to look forward to tomorrow as well. 33 minutes, 38 seconds, one take, no edits, few mistakes, I know. And it's past midnight, so guess what? I better go to bed, sleep quick, and I'll see you in the morning. Thanks again for listening. Have a great Tuesday, as I know I will. And we will see you next time. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're going to get paid, because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. MyBookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.